Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. It has been quite a weekend of sports, and today is quite a day of sitting on your couch TV watching. Uh, yeah, today is an order-in type of day. Today is a never-ever-leave-the-house-and-yet-here-we-are-leaving-the-house. The yeah. So, Masters are on This will right be the only now. time, though, that I'm, that I'm leaving for. Uh, agreed. So, final round of the Masters started super early because rain is threatening Augusta, Georgia. And look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a golf fan. Uh, I enjoy watching the big tournaments, the majors, especially when it comes to Sundays, especially if big names are in it. Tiger Woods is in the hunt. He's only one shot back of the lead last I saw, and uh, that means it's a big deal. So to me, I will watch this because even though I don't like golf that much, I like Tiger, I like the story, and I like watching the majors. So we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time on it because I can't sit here and fake it and tell you all these things that I think I know. But Tiger's playing, and that's the only reason that we're mentioning the Masters today. We'll start with it here in this this opening segment, and then we'll move on to the NBA playoffs. We are basically a preview show for the Blazers' Thunder. We are. 12.30 tip at Moda Center on ABC. And uh, basically, you got an hour and a half once we're done until the Blazer game starts. So we're going to spend a good chunk of the first hour talking Blazers' Thunder as a series. Then the rest of the NBA playoffs also need to be discussed. First four games were in the books from yesterday. Three more games and series starting today as well. So we're going to have our work cut out for us to try to get as much as we can about the NBA playoffs in. And also, if we have time today, we might move this next week. But I wanted to throw this out to the Better You Today text line at 55305. We were just talking about this in the hallway before we walked into the studio. Because Rashad is wearing his Toon Squad hoodie, which is one of my favorite hoodies that he owns. Hit him high, hit him high, hit him high, hit him high. Hit him low, hit him low, hit him low, hit him low. I love that song. That's my favorite song off the album, by the way. That's a great song. And some good rappers on that song, too. Busta Rhymes, my favorite. LL Cool J. The question we asked was, we've seen a lot of news of players turning down LeBron to be in Space Jam. Dos. And we were basically trying to figure out which modern-day players would best emulate the original Monstars from Space Jam 1. So you had two stars, bona fide stars, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. Hall of Famers. You had an all-star in Larry Johnson. You had a fan favorite in Muggsy Bogues. And you had a tall, doofy guy in Sean Bradley. Bradley. And Sean Bradley. So 
You had two stars, an all-star, a fan favorite, and whoever the hell you want to pick. Using that as our framework, what current NBA players, what two stars, one all-star, one fan favorite, and one doof would be the best as the current Monstars with LeBron James? But the thing is, they've got to want to play with LeBron. So we got to think of people that would actually say, okay, well, I'll remember, do they're that. playing against LeBron. Yeah, but I mean, a we, lot of we people. We assume. We don't know what the story is. Yeah, actually. we don't know what the story is, but most people are turning it down. I think the main storyline is because nobody really wants to mess with LeBron like that. So, keeping that part in mind, you know, the people that actually would want to be in it and be in it with LeBron, who would you say? Now, mind you, they don't have to be in the positions that they were in the original movie, right? So, you don't, the, the big men d- don't have to be. Patrick Ewing and the the superstar doesn't have to be Charles Barkley or you know a, a power forward. They can be point guards, shooting guards, whatever the case is. That is true. So text in your thoughts to the Better You Today text line five five three zero five. Jesse Samani are producing. The stream is off apparently. I don't know if we can turn it on from the board, so might need to call an engineer for that. Just an FYI. Um, but uh, anyway, we will move. Hopefully that gets fixed. The the we came in with issues. Something. Hey. That worked. Stream is on. Okay. Um, hello, everybody on the stream. Sometimes I act like I know what I'm doing back here. Well, hey, you figured it. I didn't know that. You that got to figure it out there. real quick, though, Jesse. There's, there's a whole, to, there's a whole page called feet. technical stuff, and stream on was on there, so it worked. Well, now you know for prime time. There you go. Uh, although, hopefully, the stream will never be off at that time of the day. So, hi, hi everybody on the stream that was hopefully now listening to us. If you missed it, uh, we want you to text in the Better You Today text line who the current players who will fit the LeBron Space Jam 2 would be. Two stars, one all-star, a fan favorite, and a doof. So we'll get to that maybe later in the show or next week, but text in your thoughts to the Better You Today text line of 55305. Before we get to the NBA, before we get to the Blazers, I want to spend a little time this first segment talking about Tiger and the Masters. Like I said, I'm not a golf fan. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert and know what I'm talking about. But I am watching the Masters this morning because Tiger Woods is in the hunt. He's in the final group. And he's chasing down Francesco Molinari to try to win his first major in, what, like 10 years now at this point? Somewhere around there. And he's in the red with the black hat and the black pants, and he he looks like classic Tiger. He's missed some putts. He's had some chances to get into the lead. He hasn't done it yet. And Molinari is basically part every hole he's hit, even though he's had some bad shots. And, uh, yeah. Is there a more iconic look than that Sunday Tiger? Tiger in the red shirt? Like, you know, you know, he means business, even if he's going to be at the bottom of the leaderboard, like there's something about the Sunday Tiger that's just a little bit different than every other day. Yes, 100 percent, because they are because it's just the intensity he brings. Right. The first three days, I, I didn't watch a ton of the Masters, but from what I was watching, he was smiling when he hit a good shot. He was happy to be back there. He has been a stone faced killer today on the course. He has not smiled. He just is staring dead ahead, intense, ready to go. That's what we know from Tiger. This is on big Sundays, for him, and this this would be huge. You know, there, somebody was just texting that they, uh, you know, they said Tiger would never win a major. You know, never win another one. So for him to be this close on this stage, you know, which he's pretty much owned for the, you know, the vast majority of his career, like this could be huge for for Tiger and his brand all over again. I don't know if it, I mean, I guess. I think his brand's already big enough. I mean, he's, it's the biggest brand in golf, but, you know, in, in the public eye, like, Tiger's done. You know, a lot of people, you've, the last few tournaments we've seen him in, he's just fizzled out towards the end. He'd, ha, he'd have a great Thursday or a great Friday, and then all of a sudden, 
you know, so this is where, you know, on Sunday at this tournament, like this could change a lot of the narratives that go on about Tiger Woods right now. Did you see on – God, I can't I, – it all blends together. Did you see the security guard almost take out Tiger? Yeah, yeah. That I, was not intentional. So he was in the woods a little bit, in, in the gallery a little bit, and once the shot was hit, everyone in the gallery got really raucous and was trying to chase up after him as he walked away. So the security guard comes sprinting in from the other side of the gallery. Just doing his job. Doing his job, but it's wet. It had been raining. And his sneaker slips, and he just does a full baseball slide right into the back leg of Tiger. Luckily, Tiger's leg was lifted. He was walking, and it wasn't planted when he got hit. But it kind of rolled his ankle, and he was limping a little bit. And you're like, oh, no. Tiger's playing well, and a security guard doing his job. And the security guard has just been fired because Tiger Woods has a sprained ankle, you know, at this point. But. That, that was just really – it was sad but funny at the same time because it it just happened in slow motion in front of you. You're watching it, and the guy's like, I'm going to stop all these people. Ah! He was just trying to do his job, and it's sometime doing your job just doesn't work out. You've always had that where you have been running and you get like on ice or something, and it's the most hopeless feeling ever. Oh, yeah. Your foot goes out from under you, and there's no there's, there's nothing there's to no hold stopping on to. You. You're just, it's, just, it's just a wrap. You know what the worst is? Uh, if you've ever been in the shower and just kind of – you slip on some body wash or shampoo or soap, and then you kind of got to try to grab something, but there's nothing there to grab except for maybe a shower curtain. Like, it's like that feeling. You know, you know you're going down for the most part. You see your whole life flash before your eyes, Loki. I think I've done that once or twice, but that has not been one that I've had to deal with too much. Usually we've had little, like, things gonna, to keep you. I'm going to knock on wood. Little, little grippies on the shower floor. I've I'll, never I'll fallen. Too. I've never fallen, but I've had that, you know, heart palpitation feeling a few times knowing that, you know, you're going to go down the ground and probably break something. So we'll keep an eye on the Masters for you. Tiger just bogeyed, so he's now two shots back again. Molinari is 13 under. Tiger, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, 11 under, tied for second. So we'll keep you updated as long as he is still in contention. But we have a lot, a lot, a lot of NBA playoffs to get to, and we will start with the Blazers and the Thunder. Game one today at Moda Center, 1230 on ABC, a nice little afternoon game. So uh, nice thing for the Masters to move early so you don't have to miss the Masters to watch the Blazers. And uh, we'll talk about that next. There's a whole lot to dive into. This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.15 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad with you till 11 o'clock. We're going to talk about the rest of the NBA playoffs probably next hour, but there's a lot to get to with the Blazers Thunder series to start, which is happening in about three hours, game one at Moda Center. And I guess I want to start with this. Last week, we talked about this. Every show talked about this. Mission number one, two, and three for the Blazers, ooh, Tiger just hit that shot in the trees, was to avoid Oklahoma City in the playoffs, right? We talked about that at length. It was, you, you're you okay with the Jazz. The Spurs are not as scary as they used to be, although they won last night. And there, there felt like you could at least have a competitive series with those two. Mm-hmm. But from the outside looking into OKC, those of us here who who watched all four of those games, watched Paul George torch the Blazers, watched Russell Westbrook kind of 
finally break out of the shooting slump in that last game that they played against each other, at least momentarily. You watched a lot of chirping back and forth. It was it it was competitive. It was fun. It was a bit of a little rivalry going on. But you just didn't want anything to do with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And yet, after a 28-point comeback from the deepest part of the bench, the Blazers beating the Kings on the final day of the season guaranteed the three seed and guaranteed the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now that you've had a week to digest that matchup, or four days, are you feeling any different about it than you did last week? Because I, I I am starting to feel a little bit different about it than I was a week ago. Uh. You, you feel confident. I think having CJ back uh, makes you a little more confident than you were going into this game, uh, especially without Nurkic. No, you, <laughs> there's there's no chance. I think that's what a lot of people are saying. Steven Adams is a huge low, and I think Canner uh, is going to have some issues with that. So kind of thinking about all those things, I think I'm a, a little more confident that they'll play well as opposed to confident that they'll actually win. I think at this point – I would like to see a competitive Blazers team in the playoffs. I think that's something that we haven't really seen uh, since the Warrior series a few years ago. But outside of that, we haven't really seen hard-nosed Blazers basketball, and I think that's what's going to win in the playoffs. So, yes, I feel a, a little better about it because I think CJ's had a few days to rest. Um, I think people are feeling good after watching Anthony Simons come out and have the game. Now, mind you, well, I don't think he meant to do that. I actually asked him at the uh, – a team USA practice, you know, I saw him. It's like, did you mean to do that? And he said, I always mean to do that. And that was the most awesome answer that I think anybody could have gave me because it lets you know how confident, you know, that kid is. And I mean, you're looking at a Blazers team, they feel like, man, they can beat anybody. They wanted OKC. At least that's what they keep saying to us. They wanted OKC. But as a fan, you're kind of saying to yourself, you, you didn't want to play OKC. Well, the reason I've, I've changed my tune about it is, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, Oklahoma City has been struggling towards the end of the season. Now they did reel off a couple of wins in a row to get back up to the sixth seed, but they were fighting in that last game that they were playing against the Bucks, granted without Giannis to not be the eighth seed. If they lost that game to Milwaukee, they were the eighth seed playing the Warriors in the first round. They won. They're the sixth seed. They get the Blazers. Um, but on primetime, they talked to a, a reporter from the Oklahoma and he's Eric Horn was his name. And you can find it on the Les Rob Tires podcast. He painted a very different picture of the Thunder than I think a lot of Blazer fans have been painting where he basically said the the one key was Rob asked him something like, how, how does the fans feel? How do the players feel about getting the Blazers? It must be a pretty appealing matchup without Nurkic. And he goes, the fans seem very, very nervous about this series. There's a bit of, for both sides, we're finding out Blazer fans and Thunder fans. There's a bit of nerves about what your team actually is. The Thunder offensively are an absolute mess right now. They're one of the worst offensive teams since the All-Star break. Paul George has two shoulder injuries, one on each shoulder. He didn't play in the last game of the season. He's going to play tonight or today, but his shooting has been nowhere near as good since he suffered both injuries. Russell Westbrook has completely lost his ability to shoot. He's like a 60% free throw shooter. He can't shoot the three. And if you goad him into shooting, he's not good enough. Maybe not good enough is the right word. He's, he, he's not able to check his ego and pass the ball. If you goad him into shooting, he's going to shoot the ball. So there's two weaknesses there. And after that, sure, Steven Adams is solid, but he's not a, a top-of-the-line center. He's a great defender. But offensively, he's putbacks and nothing else, right? And then you've got a bunch of role players who could be good, who could be bad. It's kind of like the Blazers, yeah. right? I, and I think it brings up a, a bigger point. We have to think about how people look at the team nationally. 
you know, on a national broadcast, we heard Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith say, man, the Blazers are a playoff. They're, they're a, a NBA Finals team. You know, they're the team that I don't think anybody nationally would be shocked about. We are really hard on the Blazers here because we see the games against Sacramento that aren't broadcast. You know, we see the games against the Phoenix Suns that aren't broadcast, and you see where the holes are in your team. So you can pick them apart a little more than anybody else is able to. But nationally, I think there's a lot of respect overall for this Blazer squad and what they can do. You know, now, mind you, minus Nurkic, you still have a couple ball players on this team. Like, Damian Lillard is that dude. Let's just go ahead and say that, man. Damian Lillard is, in my opinion, easily a top seven, top eight player in the NBA right now. You know, CJ McCollum is a top 25 player in the NBA right now. And that might sound like a lot, but the, the truth is there's 300 some odd guys, 400 guys in the NBA. And so for you to be one of the best 25 players in the league, man, that's saying something, you know? So, and think about it's this, even higher than think that, about yeah. this of all the teams that are picked to win championships, you know, picked to at least go to the finals. The Blazers are the only team with one all-star like the Rockets, two all-stars. And, and I'm talking about guys that have been in the all-star game at least, you know, a few times. Millsap's been to the all-star game a few times. Uh, and Jokic is great. Yo, jo- Jokic is obviously, you know, great. Milwaukee has a few all-stars. Uh, so the 76ers have two all-stars, three all-stars. You know, the Blazers are the only team that are really competitive that are doing it on the backs of one guy and a bunch of really good supporting cast. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Jazz. The, I mean, the, 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 the Jazz. Jazz have no all-stars, really. I mean, I guess Gobert is yeah. probably one, but Donovan Mitchell is a board. They're borderline, right? The Jazz are like the Blazers in that sense, where they've got a lot of good players, but they don't have. But I don't think anybody expects the Jazz. Nobody. I don't. I'm, I haven't heard anybody say the Jazz are going to go to the finals. I think they think the Jazz are competitive, but I don't think they anybody. Won a first round we've last heard year. some of the national pundits say OKC the Blazers are. We, but we've heard some of the national pundits before Nurkic saying the Blazers are a team that people need to be worried about, and they mm-hmm. need to be looking at them saying that we don't want to play them. And I think we're hearing from OKC that they know there are some mismatches there. Even with Nurkic out, there are still some mismatches there. Well, that is true. And the thing that I think you, you talk about Lillard, you're right. It, Lillard needs to have a much better series than he did last year. It's, it's, a, it's a prove me series for him because last year he was stifled by the Pelicans defense. Now it's not all his fault. He was double and triple teamed. We talked about that ad nauseum for the last year. But he worked on it this offseason and this season. You've noticed during the games, he's much better at splitting double teams. He is able to play out of the pick and roll better when he's getting stifled. Hell, in the last game of the season, or the second to last game of the season against the Lakers, he was double teamed on the isolation play to win the game. He passed the ball to CJ. CJ was double teamed. He passed the ball to Mo. Mo hit the corner three to win the game. He's, he's not getting stuck in that position anymore. He is able to get himself out of that double team trap, which caused him so much issues last year. CJ is back and appears healthy. He says he's pain-free. That's going to be huge. Without Nurkic, you need CJ to be able to pour in 30 points a game or be close to it because you need that production to come from somewhere. And I think one of the benefits of the CJ injury and the Nurkic injury, for that matter, at the end of the season, plus some of the weaker competition, is you've given the role players on your team more confidence. Mo Harkless has looked the best he's looked all year going into this playoff series. His last few games have been stellar. Al Farouk is having a career year. You know, we like to we like to talk crap about Aminu because he struggles sometimes, but he's been a really consistent three-point shooter. He's actually getting better at dribbling and handling the ball inside. You don't want him to do it, but he can. That's my point. Uh, Aminu is the Travis outlaw of this Blazers team. He just 
makes me nervous when he's out there. Of There's course, something he does. or something he's doing. It's like, oh, don't do it, Aminu, and then it goes in, and you're like, okay, don't do that again. But thank you for making the shot. Well, you're going to need more of that, right? And I think at the end of the year, you saw him take the matters into his own hands more than you've seen in the past in terms of driving and, and getting his own buckets versus just standing out on the three-point line and being a good defender. Um, you saw Ennis Cantor step up. Defensively, we know he's not good. But offensively, he's played very well in the absence of Nurkic. He's better around the rim than Nurkic is. He's not as good in the pick and roll, but he's a better finisher than Nurkic is. And he's really, really, really good at offensive boards. So that will help you. And as long as Zach Collins can play defense for you, and hell, Myers Leonard can give you six fouls too and play defense, uh, then maybe you can patch together a defensive strategy inside. So do I think the Blazers will win, will win this series? No. But I think I'm way more confident that they can than I was a week ago when I was looking ahead and seeing all the potential matchups. Mostly because the Thunder and the people around the Thunder are saying this team is not good, guys. They are they have got good players, but they have massive issues and they cannot score. And also you're looking at so a Thunder the team can. looking at a Thunder team that hasn't been out of the first round in three years. Lost so the Jazz they're year, looking yeah. at things kind of the way the Blazers are right now. It's like, yeah, I don't think we're going to win the series because when was the last time they won the series? And I think OKC is on the other, on the other side going, I don't think we're going to win the series because when was the last time we won a series? I would be more confident in the fact that they have a lack of offense or a consistent lack of offense in Oklahoma City if we had Nurkic there. The problem is you have Steven Adams on the other side who is literally – gone to the other coach when Cantor's been there and been like, you, you got to take him out of the game. Otherwise he's just, we're just going to keep torching the dude because as much as like, I, I obviously Cantor brings something to the team. You know, he, he, you bring a double, double, there's something valuable you're bringing to the team, but the lack of defense at, at points is he's just, I, I think in the fourth quarter is going to be one of those guys that he can't be on the court. Well, what we did see from Stotts is he put him and Zach Collins together on the court at times. Got to do that. They're going to have to because Collins is a really good defender. He, he, he has struggled offensively. He struggles with positioning himself sometimes for rebounds, but he is a great defender. Well, he, the- he goes straight up, and he's always there, and he blocks shots. And if that if the Thunder, and we saw it in the regular season when Cantor came in after Nurkic got ejected in that game, if you remember, in overtime, Cantor came in, and they just went at Cantor the entire time. Yes. So, and that's how they won that game in overtime. They're going to need Collins to be the guy guarding on the pick and rolls in that sense because Cantor just can't do it. He's not good enough to do it. That's how Cantor originally worked is what they had, what, Andre Drummond on the other side of him originally yeah. in in his career. And so you had a guy in there that was able to kind of mask those deficiencies that Cantor has. And if you have, um, if you have him in there and you're just like, you rebound – and then you have Zach Collins go in there, you play defense, and you can find a way to make them work together, do the Twin Towers thing, because that's the nice thing about Collins. He can play the four um, and stretch that court. So I, I I think there are ways to get creative and still make this w- roster work, but, man, that, that Nurkic injury really makes things a lot harder for the, the defensive side of things. Coming up next, we'll read some of your texts on the Better You Today text line 55305. We have a Rashad story, but I want to save that for maybe 945. So we give you a nice juicy segment to talk about your funny Blazer-related Rashad story and kind of sad as well. So that'll be coming up. But coming up next, this game one is way more important than any other game one in a long time for the Blazers. And winning it will give this team and fans that much more confidence. That's next for First Jesse Sports Center. 
Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Better you today, text lines 55305. This text says, I picked OKC in six midweek on Sprig and Wine. Dirt Sprague Swag all said probably OKC in six. I'm going to go Thunder in seven as my official pick, I'm going to say. I think the Blazers have a very competitive series against this team, but not having Nurkic is huge and having to go up against Paul George as long as he's somewhat healthy and that is still a concern is huge. So to me, I don't think the Blazers win the series, but I do think they make it awfully, awfully competitive if I had to make my official pick right now. I, I think this series hinges on, all on Paul George. You know, how healthy is he really? So uh, if his shoulders are ready to go and he's going to be able to muster through, you know, four competitive games, because I think he's going to need to win them at least two games. You know, you can let the average almost 40 points against the Blazers. Is yeah, because he's unstoppable. There's not much you can do about, you know, the third best small forward in the league. You, you know, send uh, Myers Leonard in there and just bash him on the shoulders a couple times. I mean, that's just like that, super that hard could fouls. Work. <laughs> that could work. You know, send somebody in there that's not going to play. Send, send Scalavi Sierra in there to give him a couple hard fouls and, you know, get ejected. And, you know, so. But the, outside of that, I'm, I'm looking at maybe OKC and six. Everyone, that's that's a very popular pick, yeah, I'd say. OKC and six. Um, I'm just giving the Blazers a tiny bit more credit. We got this text that called us massive homers. I don't think we're massive homers. I'm just trying to give the examples of why I think this Blazers series will be more competitive than we originally thought. I think when I first said don't play OKC, my fear was five, four or five games, another sweep. But after researching this Thunder team a bit, there's a lot more going on there than we, than we see just from watching every once in a while. You can't be a homer if you – if you continue to point out where the holes are. Right. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, Lynch and I are pretty good because Lynch isn't, you know, from here. He doesn't have a really rooting interest in the Blazers like outside the Blazers. of living here. You know, outside I want of living them to here. win. But... Yeah, because the city's better when the Blazers win. Like, I was here in 2000 when they were competitive and almost to the NBA championship. Like, the city is just more fun when the Blazers are good. It's, just, it's, a, it's a better environment. So, yes, man, want them to do well. But at the same time, like, not so blind to where we don't know where the holes are on this team. This text says, I see Portland getting gentlemen swept still. So five games, oh, five. It, it's possible. And, and that, that kind of leads naturally into where I want to go here in this segment. This game one is so massively important for Portland because of two reasons. One, you want to keep home court advantage. Last year, you lost it immediately. And not that it really mattered last year, but losing game one in the fashion that you lost it. Remember, you were down by almost, I think, 19 at one point against the Pelicans. You actually came back. Do you remember game one last year? They only lost by two or three points, and they were within one and had a chance to just at the end to yeah. take the lead, and they couldn't. They had a, they messed up a play. I can't remember the exact detail of it. I think it was a I think it was a bad Dame shot. It might have been, the or end, there was a the turnover the or something. Yeah. So it wasn't as if they got just killed that entire game. They had a chance to win it. So that's number one. But two is you've lost ten playoff games in a row. That is a huge monkey off your back if you can win game one and just finally get a playoff win. You've lost four in a row to the Pelicans and six in a row to the Warriors, right? So to me, getting that win would just be huge for the confidence of the team and huge for the confidence of the role players that I was talking about last segment. You've gotten that because you played some weak teams here at the end and you've had a chance to to kind of give those guys some some minutes and some good games, but if they can have a, a good performance, say Seth Curry hits like five threes tonight, right? And the Blazers win by six or something like that. And maybe it's close at the end because these, these teams have played really close games. But you get that win. 
imagine the momentum and the relief and the freedom to be able to go into game two and say, we can do this. I think that's huge for tonight. Now, I, I think if you lose tonight, it, it's not a death knell on the series, but just imagine that pressure mounting even more. 11 straight playoff losses. 3-6 matchup again. Uh, a team that did not have as good of a season as you did. You might get swept again. And that pressure, although I think Damian Lillard can handle it, I'm not sure the whole team can handle it. No, so I think you got to win tonight. No, I, I think it's really important for them to hold home court. If they can get these... If they can get game one, I think they'll be confident enough going into game two where they know they could, we, we can make things happen. You know, as long as they defensively stay disciplined, I think they can do a really good job as far as causing some problems for OKC. You know, what Westbrook is really deadly is when he starts penetrating. Once he gets to the basket or anywhere near it, like, expect a highlight because he's probably going to score or he's going to draw in so many people and he's just going to dump it off for somebody else for them to score. If you can keep Westbrook from doing that, meaning man, lots of switching and or whatever you're going to do, they have a shot. So protecting home court is incredibly important, man. The crowd is going to be raucous and drunk and, <laughs> and ready to see a playoff win. There's day drinking going on right now. People are drinking at 9 o'clock in the morning at 10.30 because this game starts at, what, 12, 1230? 12.30 on ABC. Yep. Yeah, so there's a lot of day drinking going on. So you're going to have a Rose Garden, excuse me, a Moda Center. Yeah, you can call it the Rose Garden. It's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. I was just, you know, just for, for, for legal purposes. But we're going to have a Rose Garden that's incredibly excited and ready to see, you know, a, a great basketball. And this game's on ABC. Yeah, yep. you're going to have a crowd that's, wanting to see a great win. So I think hopefully the team can feed off of that, and if they can, they can go out there and take the first game. One strategy I think they have to use, I saw this on Twitter, and I agree with it 100%. I saw it the second the matchup was locked in stone on uh, uh, Wednesday. Make Russell Westbrook shoot the ball and piss him off in the process. Go under every screen. Show him no respect. And goad him into shooting threes and shooting shots. Because here's what happened last year in the playoffs. When they lost to the Jazz last year in six games, Ricky Rubio and Russell Westbrook got a little something going back and forth. And in game six, Russell Westbrook took 43 shots and 19 three-pointers. Let me repeat those numbers. 43 shots and 19 three-pointers. He was 18 of 43. Sure, he got 46 points. The Thunder only scored 91 and lost. If you get Russell Westbrook's ego all hurt, he will try to take over the game. And right now, he is not a good enough shooter to take over the game. You need Russell Westbrook to be chucking up threes left and right. So go at him into doing it. Just do everything you can to say, shoot the ball, Russ. You're not going to do it. And then if he does it, if he makes it, oh, well, you live with the results. But he's not been good this year at shooting the basketball anywhere on the court. You know, I think the one, so thing, that, the one thing that bothers Russ, you know, like a lot of great guards is um, having some pressure and having someone really uh, – and if, if it means for 94 feet that they're, you know, pressuring them up the court, then doing that. But for the most part, the Blazers don't have a defensive stopper, a guy that you can put on him they have and Al say – Al Farouk Aminu. but – He'll be on Paul George. Exactly. So, you know, who's going to – Get, be given the task of guarding arguably the quickest first step in the NBA. It'll, be, it'll be Lillard. And Lill you know, look, Lillard's been up to the task this year defensively. Let's let's not forget how much he has improved defensively. He is no longer a liability. Now, he's not great yet, but you've seen him get some good steals. But, he stays in front of the guard. 
and he's he's figured out a system to play solid defense. But that's the thing. I think he has to be great against because you're looking at one of the great offensive players in the NBA and Russell Westbrook. So no matter how good Dame's defense has become. Yeah, but Westbrook can't shoot this year. Westbrook can't shoot, but that still hasn't stopped him from averaging damn near, you know, 30 points and 11 assists. Like all that, all that being said, you know, Giannis still can't shoot and he's probably going to win the MVP and can't shoot a free throw to save his life, you know? So, you know, Westbrook is in that same kind of category. Now, mind you, not as unstoppable as Giannis, but, yeah, kind of as unstoppable as Giannis. Like, three straight years, three triple-doubles. Say whatever we want to as far as, you know, how he gets them or whatever, but I've never seen anybody average one triple-double in my life, and he's got three of them in a row. So he's a special he's a special NBA talent, and so I think you need – there's no Wes Matthews on this team, right? There's nobody that can you can go say – go get him and go lock him down and keep him just to under 20 points, and he can do that. Like, if you have a guy that can do that, I think the chances of you stopping Westbrook are going to be great. This is going to be a team effort as far as stopping him. I agree. I agree. But I think the best way to do it is to make him take those shots because what the Thunder need, just like what the Blazers need, is the Thunder need their role players to step up. They need Dennis Schroeder. They Mm -hmm. need Terrence Ferguson. They need their bench to step up. And – Schroeder and Ferguson have been really good, and they've been really bad. Same as Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless and, and Seth Curry. All throughout this year, they've been really good, and they've been really bad. So what you need is that. And if you can get Russell Westbrook to not include them because he's so jacked up on making his own shot, that hurts the Thunder more. Give Westbrook his 40 points. If he's not sharing the ball and no one else is helping, they're not going to win the game. Oh, it's so it, you, you got Steve Nash rule, yep. you know, Steve Nash rule. If you cut off. Uh, or really what they've been able to do to James Harden for the past few years in the playoffs. If you just make Harden the primary scorer, then that means Clint Capella and all these guys that are typically getting buckets based off of James Harden's assist, it's not happening for them. So, yes, if you can cut off the head of the snake and just give Russell Westbrook his 40 points that he wants so bad, because you know that's what he wants to do is is get a lot of buckets, but then you can prevent guys like Steven Adams and some of these other dudes from going off for 15 to 16 points, then, yeah, you got a shot. All right, let's break. Coming up next, Rashad has a Blazer story that is surprising, but maybe not so surprising. That is next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Justin Thomas just nailed a hole in one. Great shot. After somebody just got super close to getting to one before it. that. I think it was John Rahm did it basically within inches. And then Justin Thomas did it. It's the second one of the day on 16. And Molinari just double bogeyed his last hole. So now Tiger tied for the lead at 11 under par with Molinari and Xander Shoffley. How about that for a golf name? Xander Shoffley. That's an awesome name. That is a white country club name right there, if I've ever heard one. So I have Xander. Two, I have a, a nephew. His name is Zade. What? Yeah. Like I have, or excuse me. Well, I have, uh, he's my little cousin. Z A D E. Zade. Wouldn't it be cooler if it was an X? Because Xander uh, is X A. Well, that is kind of tight. I mean, how many like names start Alexander with without the Alla? Outside of you know Xavier, how many names actually start with an X? Very few. Uh, uh, Name Don't throw one. that at me. Yeah, now. exactly. Xander. Exactly. I got Xander. I got one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> who was the uh oh my god. I'm sorry that I forget this. I know it off the top of my head. Who was the like warrior princess? Xena. Xena. There you go. 
There's another one with the okay. Knicks. Okay, that's two. I that's forgot two. all about Xena Warriors merchandise. I used to watch that after Monday Night Raw. I think I saw it every once in a while, <laughs> but not not that often. <laughs> um, so Rashad has a funny slash sad slash not all that surprising story from Team USA practice this week. The floor is yours, sir. Well, uh, for those who listen to the fan religiously, uh, you've probably heard me get a chance to do commentary for uh, the Nike Hoop Summit. And so before that, we got a chance to go to the Blazers practice facility and to the, you know, the Nike campus to watch some of these guys practice. So see the world team practice, see was Team that, USA. Was that the Blazers facility? That, that was the Blazers facility this past Thursday. But a couple of their other practices were held at uh, the Nike campus and the Mike Krzyzewski gym. Okay. So um, we're at the facility, and we're watching Team USA, who just looks like the Monstars. Like, these guys are all huge and jacked up and everything like that, and it's crazy to think some of them are just going to high school. So I'm standing. It's, it's, it's a packed house. There's no seats available. The only seats that are available are for Blazers staff and players and stuff like that. So I'm standing against the wall nearest their, uh, uh, their weight room and everything. So – um, stay, I'm, I'm holding the, the rosters and I'm looking at everything as I'm trying to learn these guys' names and stuff. And this, this guy just stands literally like right in front of me. So I'm standing up against the wall. I'm as close to the wall as you can possibly be. Like the wall's uncomfortable. I'm so close to it and everything. You're trying to Homer Simpson I'm, into I'm, it. Yes, I'm just yeah. trying to like blend myself into the wall best I can. And so this guy comes and he stands literally right in front of me. He could have stood to the left of me, could have stood to the right, but he stands literally, man, three four centimeters in front of me and he's having a long conversation with some short guy and he's just f-bomb this and f that he's speaking he's talking like a a a 1960s gangster you know right now it's it's super crazy so i'm like all right man but he keeps stepping on my shoe and i'm just like okay so let me move my foot this way and maybe he won't step on anymore and he just continues to kind of like rub his foot and just step on my cortez's and at this point i didn't like it and he just but he kept just doing it and so finally i'm like i'm sorry and I'm like, maybe I'm just should do this. And he kind of looked back at me and like gave me the like, yeah, not thinking about you, sir. And so finally, I was like, you know what? Now, Rashad, that's not working with the fan at that point. It's probably going to say something like you're being super disrespectful. But but because I'm a guest here in the Blazers facility and this guy's wearing a Blazer shirt, I don't know who he is. I'm just going to politely move. I'm not going to embarrass swag or anybody else. So I'm just going to politely move and go to this spot over here. Swag kind of comes back from wherever he is, and he looks over and goes, oh, look over there. There's the GM, bro. And I look like, oh, where? I turn around. It's the damn guy that's been stepping on my shoe (laughs) the whole time. And I'm like, man, this guy has been stepping. He was like, oh, yeah, he's over there talking to Lawrence Frank. That's who the short guy is. (laughs) The whole time I'm like, man, this dude has been stepping on my shoe for 15 minutes. Like, literally, I had to move because he just kept – Kept doing it, and then I asked him, and then I, I politely was like, excuse me, and he turned around and just looked at me like I had a booger on my face somewhere. It, so, was, the, it was the craziest thing, but at that point, I was looking like, yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. Now, mind you, we all have to wear these lanyards, and they says where you're from on the lanyard by your name. Mine said 1080 the fan. So, so there's a chance There's that a it was slight chance that it was incredibly intentional, but once I was like, man, excuse me, and he just – looked back and just continued with his conversation and just kept stepping on my shoe. It was kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it was intentional, but hella intentional. So I, I don't know, man. But once Slag told me it was the GM, he was like, how did you not know that it was him? Well, that, like, that was my question is, I know you're behind him. 
But how did you not know it was GM? I couldn't see his face. All I could see was his kind of, you know, high. Like he has like a, a he's got the a, salt and like pepper a, like buzz cut. Yeah, thing, he's right? got like a buzz cut thing, but it's like a high rising buzz cut. It's not like it's not like a John Cena. It's like if yeah, John yeah, Cena yeah. let his hair grow out and still want to do that style. That's kind of what it was. And so honestly, I, I just couldn't tell it was him. Like I said, I didn't couldn't see who the short guy was. Like he was he literally stood with his his uh, the back of his head right in front of my face, so I could just barely see over. I'm six three, so I could see over him and still see stuff. But it made it he. He blocked my whole court vision at that so point, it, so I had to move. I will say that I think, well, it could have been intentional. Why stand right in front of someone if they're spaced to the left and right, like you're saying? Literally, and, and you're the GM. You can see, you can stand anywhere at and the then, point. People are gonna move. And then, yeah, Woo! Brandon Sprague's in the building. Sprague is missing the, the hot uh, Neil O'Shea story right now. Sprague looks like he's on his way to church or something like that. He's on his way to cover the game, I imagine. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why he's all dapper and stuff right now. The uh, the fact that he stood right in front of you when there were other opportunities and to, to stand elsewhere and that the fact that he kept stepping on your shoe and even turned back and was like, huh, and kept doing that it. That was the part that got me. I was like, oh, damn, it's, it's like that? It's either he did it intentionally because he knew you were with the fan or... He's that much in his own head that he just doesn't pay any attention to anything else. I'm hoping it's just it's the latter. I'm hoping he just, you know, I'm just that full of myself to where I don't care about this peasant and his leather Cortezes, you know. So I, I'm thinking it may have very well been that part. I hope it's not I me. Mean, I, I really, if you're still mad at Rop, like that was a long time ago, bro. It's time to kind of let that, you know, let that part go. Does Neil O'Shea strike you as the guy who would let that go? I, he does not. He does not strike me as the guy that would let that go. Have you heard his interactions with Jason Quick occasionally when they're having back and forths? I have, I have not. Yeah, that, he doesn't. That's not a guy who lets things go. No, so. that's you can't be petty and the boss. Like you can't do both. You like can do you, whatever I mean, you want. No, you got to you got to choose one. Like you can't be petty and the boss. Like at that point, people ain't gonna want to do business with you. I, I've had limited experience with the Blazers, and with my experience, I've come to find that. It is a franchise that runs itself with um, an arrogance that is unwarranted. It, it it's, You would think that they were the Lakers the way that they run that franchise, and they, they can get away with it because they're the only game in town, and it's Blazer Nation. But the fact is, is they don't do a good job of treating the, the media well. If you're not in their pocket – you're on the outs with that team. And, and it's just, it, it, it's sad because um, it leads to, I, I, they're, they're big babies. They can't take criticism um, and they should be able to take criticism when the fact is, is you are a marginally competitive team and have been for years now. It, it was the, it was the craziest thing just cause, and mind you, I'll tell swag and swag just bust up laughing, you know, takes his glasses off because there's tears. Because number one, I don't know it's Olshay that's right there that's standing in front of me for this whole that is the ten minute conversation. Part to me. Yeah. No, I just I just I couldn't. And mind you, there were so many, you know, middle aged white guys there. Like who knew exactly, you know, who was there? So I didn't know anything. I was just sitting there. I knew he was talking to a short guy. Now Lawrence Frank ended up being cool. I saw him kind of on he the went way to my out. High school, by the way. See, there you go, man. Shout out to Lynch's Eastside High, East High. Oh, okay. Is that where you went? Yeah. Okay. He said hi and uh, was in Belleville, yeah. Newark. I can't remember exactly where that. Oh no, was, they made a movie about it. Yeah, the ghosts. Pretty, pretty good, man. Lean it's, on me. It's great a movie. Lean on me. Great movie. But no, I mean, luckily I love the team, you know. So I, I, I'm and Olshay, I don't 
presume will be here forever. So I'm not going to let that kind of sway me. But it was one of those things. It's like uh, I, I didn't want to, again, I always want to make sure I represent whatever company I'm representing well. So I don't want to cause a stir and everything. Knowing that swag comes to this thing every year and this is my first time here, like I'm, I'm just going to politely move and let that be that. Let's read some text before we move on to the rest of the NBA playoffs and hate it or love it next hour. Passive-aggressive douche move. He stepped on your Cortez. Kudos for not responding. Man, I wanted to so bad because he did it multiple times. How do you spell insecure? Should have punched him in the face. Remember, he gave Myers Leonard 40 mil. I mean, <laughs> that would have been a good idea, man, just for doing that pair with the big Myers-Leonard contract. That would Such have been a, a great story. Idea. That was definitely years of raw frustration getting taken out on you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, but it was weird because literally he could have stood anywhere else in that gym. He stood, man, I'm telling you guys, no exaggeration, centimeters away from me and, like, really talked right in front of my face like, you're, you're, you, don't, you don't see me. I'm 6'3", 255 pounds, man. You can't miss me a lot of the time, you know, so it was it was it was really weird to see. But, you know, shout out to the Blazers. And oh, did meet Anthony Simons, though. And that's when I got a chance to uh, to ask him if he meant to do that and everything. But, man, that kid is getting a lot of attention over these last couple of days. I will say we'll, we'll wrap up the Blazers with this. The Kings game was a meaningless win for the end of the season because, I mean, sure, it meant the three seed in the playoff matchup and all that. But for those players, don't take too much into it because it was basically a G League game. But what I will take out of it is this. Anthony Simons can score the basketball, and he's super young. He's 19 years old. Maybe you got something with him that in a year or two he can be an impactful player. He still got he, – he can't play a lick of defense, that's for sure. But he can he can shoot the ball, and he can get all over the court and shoot it. And if that, that can help any team in the NBA. So maybe maybe you got something with, with Anthony Simons. And as much as we just ripped on O'Shea a little bit there, one thing he is very talented at is scouting. He is a very good scout. Seriously. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's made a lot of really good trades. He's drafted a lot of good players. He's made some mistakes. Every GM does. But he is a very good scout of talent. And uh, maybe Simons is another one of those guys that he hit on. We'll see. It was a good game. It was a good game. game. Let's get into the other NBA playoff series. We had three games yesterday, and we got three other ones outside of the Blazers. Or we had four games yesterday, and we have three others outside of the Blazers today. Let's just kind of... Go on the rest of the playoffs before hate it or love it. That's next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.